job here. And uh, my wife and I both are in total appreciation for him being here along with his wonderful wife and family. And uh, would you please stand to your feet and welcome to the City Richmond Center. Welcome, Elder Jeffrey Walker. Truly, the Lord is good. Let's not waste. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We honor you tonight, Lord God, because truly you are worthy. Thank you for this time, Lord God, to share your word. Father, I thank you that you allow me to stand in the presence, Lord God, to speak to your people, Lord God. And I just pray right now that you use me in a way that only you can. Father, that the words I hear are only from you. The things that I do are only from you. Father, because I just want to glorify you tonight. Oh, Not for my sake, but for your sake. Thank you now, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I'm going to start by saying, Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. If there's any way you can get here, you ought to be here even if it's just for a little while. Because there's always, always rich seeds that are dropped. Not only Wednesdays, but Tuesday afternoons. Always a rich word, rich seed dropped. And this, this morning was no exception. <laughs> since I made the decision some time ago to um, change my schedule around, since I control my schedule. <laughs> To come and partake of Wednesday mornings, man, it's like, I just look forward to it. Every time, every time. Sometimes you be so sleepy, but when you get here, man, that thing be raw. My God, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Amen. Um, so that's a little plug for y'all. It's all right if you get up a little earlier. It's all right if you take your lunch break, if you close by to stop on in, because I truly, truly guarantee you, you'll leave with something you didn't come with. Amen. Amen. Um, <laughs> all right, let's see what the Lord has got to say tonight. Amen. Um, as I put my eyes to these words, uh, the Lord began speaking to me some time ago, um, and he, he perfectly orchestrated everything that I would be standing before you tonight. Um, I, um, I, I, I look at the times that we're in, the times that we're facing and we're dealing with, and it's like, Lord, truly, truly, this is time for this word. Um, we'll start with 2 Timothy and chapter 4. And we're actually going to read 1 through 8. So I'm glad that screen down here now. Yeah. Amen. Amen. When you get there, you'll find these words. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, fake news. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of, the, of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I'm going to talk to you from a subject tonight um, that it took some God doing to uh, make it make sense to me. I don't ever want to do something that God don't make sense to me. So I'm going to talk to you from a subject in times like this, that's not the subject, but in times like this, fighting faith. Fighting faith. When we look around and we're dealing with this COVID-19 coronavirus, we're looking with this social injustice, we're looking, we're looking at all this political corruption and all these things going on. As a believer, you have to learn to fight with using your faith. Because with everything that's going on, and those are just the things that we know at large in the world, those don't include the things that's going on in our household, on our jobs, you know, with our families. They don't include those things, but those things do exist. So, you know, it was a time when, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, something could be going on out in the neighborhood or whatever, but when I got home, it was peaceful. I left all that stuff outside, you know, or went on the jobs and, you know, the boss was cutting up or the co-workers was cutting up and so forth. When you clocked out, you left that. But now, <laughs> it's like everywhere you turn. It's like I got to deal with this too. <laughs> and, then, and then depending on where you are in your walk and your faith and your belief, these questions can come up. Like, God, where are you? Why is this happening? I mean, you know the list. I pray, I tithe, I go to church, and, and all these things. But yet, all this stuff keeps going on. And the questions get louder and louder depending on where you are in your faith. And you're trying to do what the man and woman of God is saying to you, 
But that noise is drowning out what the men and women of God are saying. So we have to develop a fight on the inside. We have to have this conviction in our faith like, I don't care what is going on. I don't care how it makes me feel. I don't care how it seems. I'm going to fight. I want to just quickly do this, and this, this, this may not make sense in the beginning, but it's going to. And the reason that I know that the Holy Spirit gave me this is because we have to be reminded of stuff. Because sometimes you can get in that fight and man, it just feels like it's just you. And depending on what you're doing, it might just be you. And, it's, and, 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 and the sad part about it is it never should just be you. Now, this is why at least in this house and for those who are watching online, this is why we should have a muscle man faith. These are some, what I titled, encouraging reminder messages from the pastors. Now these are just a few, because there's so many. I had to stop. Like, oh my gosh, it'll all be just about this. But as, it's, as it is, these are just, there's no rhyme or reason. There's nothing special over the others. They're all powerful, power packed messages. From my, from my senior pastor, the Divine Nine. Don't quit. How to rebuke the storm in your life. Perfecting faith. Watch this. Victory on every side. <laughs> Anointed to win. Victory over death. Fired up. Mm. Don't become a victim. Now, I will say this last one that, that came up. That was personal. The tipping point. Y'all remember that message? <laughs> when our man of God became a scientist up here? <laughs> when you can take science and make it make spiritual sense, <laughs> that ain't nothing but the Holy Ghost. <laughs> All right, don't get calm now. Because here come my illustrious Pastor Kim Anderson. Man, man, man. Get over yourself. <laughs> Woo! Man, that take you back. <laughs> Woo! Get to know him. The prosperous soul. The key to having it all. Keep working it until it works out. Jesus is coming back. My God. Receiving instructions 
And it all starts with a thought. My God. We have at our disposal this arsenal of God's word given through God's prophets. And it's, it's just within a finger click away. You know, and, 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 it's, and it's like, it's, I equate it to like being home and you're hungry <laughs> and your refrigerator, I said refrigerator, refrigerator, not refrigerator, refrigerator, is full of food. Your pantry, your cabinets are full of food. And yet you lay around, you sit around and you hungry. When all you got to do is go and eat. You know how it is, especially if you're married. Watch this. If you're married and you want your spouse to put something together for you. You'll sit there, and you won't eat if they don't do it. <laughs> My God. My God. It takes faith. It takes strong faith to do the things that are at hand. It takes strong faith to face these things that we encounter on a daily basis. It takes strong faith to stay in this fight. It takes strong faith not to give up. It takes strong faith to see beyond yourself and see somebody else in need and be able to step aside from you, even in the midst of what you may be going through, to lend your hand to somebody else. It takes strong faith. It's sad to me personally um, when we, we have all these teachings of faith and know what faith is supposed to mean, and then when it's time to see it demonstrated, it's not happening. Right. It's sad to me. Because we can quote some of the best scriptures about faith, such as 2 Corinthians 5 7. Quote that real well. You may not have said it in six months, but you are quoted like that. But are you walking it? Are you living it? The Amplified Version there says, for we, walk, for we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. That's a strong faith. Why? We can't see God. And we have to have a confidence in him to believe whatever he says. Especially in times like this. You know, um, we understood from the onset of all this pandemonium stuff that this was nothing but a trick of the enemy. We understood that from the jump street. And yet, we also understood 
that this wasn't going to be a two-day thing and go away. We knew that. We knew that. And just when it seemed like it was trying to take that down curve, here we go again. If your faith does what the outside does, you will just be this roller coaster all the time. But if you have consistent faith, if you have a consistent, convicted belief in God, then your faith will stabilize and, and increase. That when they say COVID-19 is on the rise, okay. Okay. As we just heard, he's already had COVID-19. But it takes strong faith to hold on to that, especially when you get a phone call, oh, auntie so-and-so had COVID and died. If you don't do this thing by faith, man, you're in for the fight of your life. And you're not going to win. It takes strong faith. And it's not a faith that you can build up and then sit it down. It's a faith that you have to work every day. Every day. Why? Because there's always something coming against your faith. Trying to tear your faith down, trying to weaken it, getting a, trying to look for an opportunity to come in and disrupt what you have. It's the thing that you ought to get up in the morning believing, confessing. I have strong faith. And I will work my faith today. I don't care if I got up feeling not well. I'll work my faith. I'll use my faith even against not feeling well. But faith is, in a sense, faith is just like anything else. The more you use it, the stronger you get. When you don't use it, the weaker you get. Then you start doing this thing called compromising and settling. The fight that you had last week, man, I can't do that again this week. Let me tell you how I found out for me. And I shared this, you know, some time ago when I spoke. Um, <clears throat> when my mom passed away, um, it was unexpected. She had a cancer. It was under control. Um, she went in for a new type of treatment that she had never done before, and things started going crazy. She was, in my mind, not expected to not come home that day. As normal, I knew she was going to go get a treatment and come home. But as things went bad, and as the family normally would do, everybody's going down to the hospital and so on and so forth, and we are all gathered around, and you know, I'm praying, you know, and some of the others were praying, and some of the others was. And I'm trying to be praying for my mom. At the same time, I'm trying to be the calm in the room. Honestly, I got to a place where 
I just tuned everybody else out. I did. I just like, I don't care about them. I'm here for my mom. And the sad reality of that now, that's being fixed, is that my family did this. My mom is gone. She's not coming back. And my family's like this. Because what God allowed me to understand after the fact is, man, you can't change in your faith moment. Even if they cutting the food and acting crazy, you still have to be praying for them. While your mama on the bed dying in Cody. I used to tell the story that I heard um, some time ago, and y'all probably heard it, but <clears throat> the one about Jesus, um, you know, is, is the one where the story goes, if someone brutally killed your child, they always, I don't know why they pick that, but I guess that's effective. Brutally killed your child, and um, they came to you one day confessing their sorrow, their whatever for you, for, the, for doing what they did and so forth. Then the question is, could you forgive them? heard that story. Ooh. And then after you answered that question, however you answered it, the next question was, could you invite them over to your home for dinner? Remember, they brutally killed your child. No reason. <laughs> and then after you got through that, the, the last and final question was, could you adopt them into your family? They killed your child. Ooh, I loosen up my collar. <laughs> and then, and then, when you all in and you trying to figure this out, you trying to say the just right thing. Then, then pops out this. Well, God did it. So who are we? Not to forgive somebody else. Who are we not to reach out to somebody else because of something that they did? Who are we not to pray for somebody who needs prayer? Who made us judge? Amen. Let's talk about faith. Here's a breakdown of faith as I was talking to the Lord. It's like, Lord, come on, let me have this. He said, faith starts with F, right? So faith is fearless. Let's go to Daniel 3. And we're going to do 14 through 18. Now, this is a story about the three Hebrew boys and King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar made this golden image that he wanted everybody to bow down to when all these instruments and music was playing. He just not didn't bow down. He actually, the word says, drop to the floor. Yeah. Just uh, stop what you're doing. When you, this music plays, stop what you're doing. Bow down and worship, or fall down and worship this, this golden image, this, this idolatry. So the three Hebrew boys decided they ain't doing it. 
And the word got back to the king, and the king was upset. So the king called for them to be brought to him. <laughs> and he liked them because he had put them in a position that, you know, they weren't where they probably should have been. And he basically gave them, like, one last chance. Like, when you hear the music, if you drop down and worship him, we good. But if you don't, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. Let's be honest. If you knew somebody gave you an ultimatum to do something you didn't want to do or they was going to throw you into a fiery furnace, y'all need to listen to what I'm saying. Fiery furnace? I ain't talking about a barbecue grill. I say a fiery <laughs> furnace. And they give you an opportunity to do what they want you to do versus being in a fiery furnace. Are you fearless enough to say, do what you got to do? So, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is this true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the earth, and the psaltery, in symphony, symphony with all kinds of music, and you, all, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> we have no need to answer you in this matter. Man, if y'all understand what it is to be in front of a king and talk any old kind of way, that was threat to your life, number one. You ain't even made it to the fire furnace yet. If that is the case, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But... If not, let it be known to you, <laughs> O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. In this walk, in this faith walk that we walk in every day, we have to develop this fearlessness about us. Let me come to where you live. It's easy to be fearless in front of others that you know. It's not quite as easy to be fearless in front of those that you don't know or where you don't have your crew with you. <laughs> Let me make it personal. It's easy to want to appease people because you don't want to hurt their feelings. even when you're telling the truth. If you're not careful, you may ponder on it. You try to decide what to do when you know what the truth is. 
If you don't have a fearless faith, then you will succumb, you will fall, give way to those things that you know you shouldn't be doing. I had to learn this in my own family. Families are the ones that will pull at you the hardest sometimes. Want you to do things you know good and well you ain't got no business doing. And without fearless faith, you are ponder that thing, you kind of lay on it for a while, marinate on it, what have you, find, and you know, you, 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 if you push hard enough, you'll come up with the right answer. But it might take you a while to get there. But when you build your faith and you become fearless, then no mean no. And that was, that was a reality check for me because I had um, a counselor one time who told me and my dear wife before we were married, you can't manage nobody else's emotions. And we try to. We try to. Why? Because we're nice people. <laughs> and we the ones always trying to wipe dirt off our back. Because we're nice people. But if you build your face to a fearlessness, all of a sudden, your answers come so much quicker. And nothing's really attached to it as far as making you feel bad or condemned and so on and so forth. You begin to get to this place, listen, I know who I serve. I know what's at stake. I can't afford to let your nonsense put me in a place that I got no minutes being. See, because people will approach you and really not know who you are, what you've been through. They won't understand what it took to get to where you are because all they want is what they want for the moment. But if you walk through some fires in your life, you'll build this faith and like, look, I'm not going back there. I, I, don't, I don't care what you need or what you want. I'm not going back there because you were not with me when I was going through. You were not with me when I had to stand and stand against all those things that tried to come against me. You don't know. And the beautiful thing is, I don't have to tell you. You just don't know. The second letter in, in faith, action. Action. Let's go to Acts 2. One through four. Now, setting this up, even though this is the day of Pentecost, what we'll see in this is they had to take action. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, action one. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Action number two, nobody got up and ran. Anybody ever been here when a truly hurricane came through back in the day? My grandparents had a house back in the old side of town over there on the north side and so forth, and it was one of those houses that sit up on the bricks. 
<laughs> and when the winds would come through, the house would begin to lean. Literally lean. Everybody trying to get up out of there? Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Fire showed up. Still, they didn't run. Now think about this for a moment. Some who were there before that happened, they did some running. They did some denying of Jesus. And now they come to a place after receiving instructions. Jesus told him before he ascended back to the Father, he said, wait here. For the gift that I told you about my Father is going to send the comforter, to wait here. Now, you've got to see the conversion in them because, you know, they're being told to go wait somewhere, wait in Jerusalem, and they go to the upper room to wait for the comforter to come. Now, they're waiting on a comforter, but there's stuff happening before the comforter gets there. But yet they stay. Talking about building your faith a place where when stuff come against you, you don't run. You don't turn away. You face it head on, face up. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wow. Now, as we know, as the story continues on, by them obeying what Jesus told them to do, staying, and they, they stood their ground, even in the midst of what was going on before the comforter came. When the comforter came and the form it came in, they probably didn't expect that. But they, by, by them staying there and not being afraid and received the comforter, the Holy Spirit, it allowed them to talk in tongues in such a way that everybody that showed up out there heard a message. And not only did he hear a message, people got saved. We have to understand the importance and the value in the assignments on our lives and how it is attached to other people. And it takes strong faith to not only receive that, but to stand in that. So that you can look beyond you and understand, listen, God ain't gave me this just for me. It's for the work of the ministry. How many times, whether it being in church or being on your job or in school or whatever, somebody has approached you or said something to you and they're giving you accolades of some sort because of something you did or said or, or, or your character and so forth, and you think, hmm, okay, you say so. <laughs> That's not intentionally doing something to get accolades. Right. 
But think about that. Let's magnify it. Let's bring it up a little bit. When you do what the will of God is for your life, it is far reaching than we can imagine or see. You never know who you talked off a bridge. You never know who you talked to out of drugs. You never know who you talked out of alcohol. You never know who you talked out of promiscuity. You never know who you demonstrated before how to be a man. You never know who you demonstrated before how to be a woman. You never know. You ever heard the words or the saying, your life speaks so loudly to you, I can't hear what you're saying? Isn't that an awesome honor? That you don't have to make up stuff. Live right. Live according to the word. It's profitable. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Next one. I love this one. <laughs> I for ingrained. A brief definition of ingrained. I didn't give this to you, Moody. Firmly fixed or established, difficult to change. That's good. Let's go to John 15, 1. Um, John 15, 1 through 5. Let me start with the um, Passion Translation. And it says, I am truly sprouting, I am, I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches, cutting them off, and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me for I remain in life union with you. For as the branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. For those truck owners, <laughs> you ever had the experience of hauling something on the back of your truck when it wasn't tied down, it fell off? And for the non-truck owners, you ever seen that happen? <laughs> because it wasn't tied down to the truck? It was on the truck, it just wasn't tied down to the truck. You ever been walking with a child, a young child, and you're holding hands, and they active? <laughs> and before you know it, their hand is loose from yours? Let me catch the rest of y'all. You ever had something that you consider valuable to you, and you couldn't 
find it. We have to be so joined to Jesus that we have to be ingrained in our relationship with him. Because unless you are ingrained or the, the, the other translations are grafted in, then people will be able to notice you from him. Because if you're ingrained or if you're engrafted in him, there's no difference. The things you do are the things he did. <laughs> the things you say are the things he said. The miracles he did are the miracles you do. The casting out of demons are the, the things that he did. If you're ingrained, if you're engrafted, if you become one with him. It is a marriage. And y'all seen some pastors do it. I don't know if our pastors do it or not, so hopefully. <laughs> when the marriage ceremony goes on, they start talking about the ring. And they talk about this perfect circle, how it's never broken, it has no beginning, has no end, and all those kind of things. That's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> but what happens when the ring is taken off? not broken. No cracks in it. But it's taken off. That's exactly what we do to Jesus when we don't get that intimate with him. We're taking off the marriage ring with Jesus. And, and there has to be a symbolism of a marriage ring with Jesus. Because if not, then people may ask that question, depending on how you're acting. Are you married? <laughs> Husbands or wives, tell the truth, but don't tell it out loud. Just tell it to yourself. Have you ever been without your ring and somebody approached you and asked, are you married? <laughs> wedding ring is a symbol of what you do. Sir! If you mimic, if you, if you copy the wedding ring in your relationship with Christ, everybody knows that you are married to Jesus. Without question, they know you, that you're married to Jesus. And some people don't like it so much they call you Jesus freaks. Yes. 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 They don't question your walk. They may not understand it, but they don't question your walk. But when we walk out, when we walk around without the ring, 
without you have without evidence of the marriage, they're gonna question you. We're living at a time right now, we need to close that door. Nobody, nobody should look in on us and have to question whether or not we're married to Jesus. Especially now. Especially now. With so many churches closed, refusing to reopen. With the enemy trying to silence the voice of God. And make it of no effect. People need to know that we're married to God. Without question. The same way you'll stand up for your child, the same way you'll stand up for your spouse when somebody's trying to come against them, is the same way we need to stand up for our relationship with Christ. The very same way. Next. T. T is for through. <laughs> through what? Through what? You have faith through Jesus, about Jesus. You have faith through the Holy Spirit to have faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Matthew 3, <clears throat> 16 and 17. Talking about Jesus, right at the time he's going to be baptized by John the Baptist. <clears throat> When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So what is the connection for through here? Well, it's at this time when Jesus' ministry really started. It was when the Holy Ghost came in the form of a dove and rested on him. And interesting enough, if you follow that, you continue on, you'll see where immediately after that happened, he was led into the wilderness to be tested. A place where you don't want to go without the Holy Ghost. The devil going to bring his best game if you don't have the Holy Ghost. just like he did Jesus. But what he wasn't prepared for is Jesus said, it is written. He wasn't ready for that. He was looking for Jesus to simply bow down to give in to him to worship and serve him because of the things he was offering. Sometimes there's some things being offered to you you need to walk away, run away from. Hey, hey, hey. But it takes the Holy Ghost to have that kind of faith to even know the difference between what's the trick and what's the truth of God. 
if you don't have the Holy Ghost, then you're walking around blindly. You know, um, <clears throat> at our services at the end of the service, you know, pastors will give that call about, you know, are you saved? Which is, yes, right? <laughs> Don't get scared. It's not a trick. It's not a trick. It's not a trick. And then after that, then the call is given to be filled with the Holy Spirit for power. Your faith needs power. To work. We understand in the book of James, faith without works is dead. The reality, the truth is, we can have faith in a lot of things. But if you don't have the right kind of faith in God, it's not faith. It's not real faith. It's a belief. And without the Holy Spirit to train us, to teach us, to understand what is real and what is not, it's an uphill battle. We have to have strong faith, and we have to know what it takes to have strong faith. You know, you can read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and don't develop nothing. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you just read it. You're not gaining anything. You're not gleaning anything. You're not growing in anything. You're just reading. Because if it was so simple just to read the book and have all you need, then we wouldn't need the Holy Ghost. You ever been reading scripture and it's like, what? Until you call on the Holy Ghost, like, oh, okay, I get it. I see what you're saying. And watch this. It don't even matter what translation you're reading it in. It don't even matter. <laughs> Stop chasing translations. Chase the Holy Spirit. If you want to know what God says, ask the Holy Spirit. He's been with him ever since, all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm -hmm. The last part of faith is H. For holiness. It takes holiness to have faith. You can't have faith and not be holy. Not the God kind of faith anyway. See, you can tell whether you have holiness in your faith When you hear the word of God spoken and there's no effect on you. You know, um, I ain't scared of y'all, but. Oh, 
again? Okay. We can wear a good costume when it comes to holiness. Holiness means telling the truth all the time. No compromise. I'm going to venture to say, don't get mad at me. I'm going to venture to say, <clears throat> that at some point in your walk, you know you weren't being holy. But you was putting on that you was holy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> I've seen I've seen some folk who operate out of the pulpit. Man, they look holy. Ooh, clean. Can talk. Always got something to say. Ain't no more holy than a drunk man. And please understand, I'm not saying this for fun. I'm really not. I'm just being real. I'm being truthful. See, this, 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 this maintains our salvation to be and remain holy. And if and if and if if even now there's if there's any faking in your holiness, come on, let's deal with that. It's not too late, you still have time. Can I talk to our children? <clears throat> our children of today and we went through our spell as when we, whatever our age we were at, as we were children and so forth, we went through our nonsense and shenanigans and so forth. And, you know, for those of us like me and, and probably most of y'all, if not all of y'all, we had, uh, you know, the little drug problem as far as being drugged at church and all that kind of stuff and so forth. <laughs> and, 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 and in that because, at least for me, in that because we weren't really learning anything because of the atmosphere of the church that we were in. Won't learn anything, nothing. All I knew is every Sunday I had no choice. I was going to church. I learned how to fake holy. I did. I did. I learned how to fake holy. I learned how to say hallelujah at the right time, at the right pitch. I learned how to get a little dance on. I learned how to do things that look holy. It wasn't until I discovered how I was going down that faking holy was not for real. 
Let's read the text. <clears throat> First Peter 1, 14, and 14 through 16. We're going to do this in a, in a passion translation. <clears throat> As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you follow when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For the scripture says, you are to be holy because I am holy. <clears throat> you know, um, it, it comes a point in life, especially, in our, not especially, but in our spiritual walk, we, we have to get real with ourselves. We have, to, we have to really hear the things we're saying, because sometimes you can listen and not hear. In other words, you can sit here and hear a powerful message that's really just outlined, laid out for you, right where you are, to help bring you up, to bring you out of stuff, and you just not, you're not listening. And then we go out and we do these things that, you know, we've heard from childhood coming up, you know, God knows everything. He watches, he sees everything. And, and then, then you like, you know, if you look at yourself, you like, how crazy am I? As if I just said, or I just heard, God knows everything, he sees everything, but yet. <laughs> So I started out talking about our children, but I'm talking about everybody. But I want to reach our children before too long. Before the hole is so deep and there's so much to overcome. Now I'm going to help y'all children. Parents do right before your children. Give them that example that they can see works. The word tells you, you are to be holy because I am holy. That don't let none of us off the hook. We all are required to be holy because he is holy. Stop trying to undercut. Stop trying to get these shortcuts. Stop trying to get over. When you become holy because he is holy, life is so good. Those things that your soul desire for would just settle down and begin, begin getting into perspective in the right place, how to live, how to become prosperous in your life. <clears throat> For our younger people, for those who ain't never been in a debt, y'all, y'all, if y'all ain't never been through nothing, you don't understand this. You, you don't understand this. Like, oh, great, Mr. Christopher, you know, he, you don't understand this. If you've never carried that kind of debt before, let me tell you something. That's some heavy stuff. That's the stuff even when you go to sleep, you don't forget about it. 
And to our children, for goodness sake, pastors are saying this all the time. You know, when we start talking about Salome, because you're going to school, you want to get these great educations and so forth. Tell Salome, see you. Don't want to be with you. Salome has a tendency to have this long, engaged relationship with you. She'll court you real good in the beginning. Real good. Salome show you all these loans she's willing to give you. You don't even have to qualify for it. And before you know it, you and Salome got a long love affair going on. She won't leave you alone. You won't leave her alone. And this is why it takes strong faith to see what's happening in before you. This is why it takes that strong faith to see, listen, if I slipped and fell and got involved with Salome, I'm finna kick Salome to the curb. We won't have no more communications. We won't have no more, no more engagements. We won't have that. What's that movie um, some years, years ago? Um, no. Okay. I looked at him and I saw it. Fatal Attraction. That's what happens when you don't have the Holy Spirit. You get involved with somebody and end up with a fatal attraction have no intentions ever of letting you go. We hear these words, we hear these words <clears throat> when they come forth, um, fearless action ingrained through holiness. And much like the, <laughs> the rerun we have with the pastor's messages, we have a tendency of tabling that stuff. I mean, you get fired up about it like a night to, like tonight or when the word is delivered and so forth, and then we don't we don't marinate on it. We don't go back to it. We don't we don't redo it. We don't you know. Some, for some people, if I did it once, that's, I got it. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because I I mean I have not been doing this nowhere clear as long as these pastors have and so forth. But I understand enough to know all that that's on them. I ain't there. I haven't been through, I haven't been through what they've gone through to get to where they are. And watch this, it takes faith to understand that. Because if you don't have faith, then you, you look at them all kind of crazy ways. When they're preaching the truth, and it don't sit well with you, actually upsets your cart. And you, and you, I'm going to say it. And you tune them out. How I know. I'm not talking about these pastors. I grew up by the time I got here. Let me make that clear. But I've been down that road. 
And listen, stop looking for them feel-good messages all the time. <laughs> we should only be looking for the truth. Because it's the truth that's going to open up God's world to you, to us. It's the truth that's going to help us understand what is God really saying? What does he really want me to do? And it's the truth that's going to help you take, help us all take hold to the things that have been released in this house. And I still live on uh, uh, Jesus, who are you? Jesus, what would you have me to do? I still love on that street. Because I want to know. I spent too many years trying to do this by myself. Ending up on the wrong side. Coming up short. I want to know. I encourage all of us. When the word is released in this house, man, <clears throat> get rid of other, every distraction. <laughs> Come here on purpose. <laughs> Expecting. <clears throat> um, last week we had our group, our flight group, our dynamic flight group. <clears throat> and what I've been experiencing as one of the leaders is that um, God is really doing something amazing in these small groups. He really is. And I'm, I'm seeing the elevation in my own life um, as, a re- as a result of being a part of these small groups. Um, and, you know, what, what happened last Thursday has happened once, twice before. And it's like, it's, it's like clockwork when it happens. It's at the end of our time when we get down to prayer time and prayer requests are being received or given and so forth. And it's like, it's like man, just something comes over me. The Holy Spirit comes over me and begins to speak to me while other people are talking. And he does it in such a loving way that I can deliver it in such a loving way that it's always well received. But it's, it's, not, it's not been given to me to just simply be nice and say something cute. It's about speak the truth. You heard what was said, correct it. Correct it. It's not that it was a bad thing said, but correct it because it came out wrong. What do you mean? When we have prayer requests, or when we go before the throne ourselves, man, you need to be deliberate. You need to be specific about what you're seeking God for. Don't beat around the bush. God is smarter than you. Say it like you see it but expect the results you're looking for. When we read scripture, and I use this too because well, this was given to me, you know, when we talk about um, in scripture, when it talks about speaking to a mountain to move, in, in <laughs> for a long time, I believed it, but I couldn't really see it. I thought it was just kind of like a parable of some sort, you know, that Jesus was using and so forth. But it was very literal. Speak to this mountain. 
If you have a mountain situation in your life, speak to it. Tell it what you want it to do. And get this. With strong faith, you don't have to wish that it happens. You simply believe it. Don't say something you don't believe. It takes faith to do everything that we have been commanded to do. Everything. No matter how simple or how great, it takes faith. And the reason it takes faith is it keeps you consistent. Because without faith, you become inconsistent. And then all of a sudden, one day you're working on God's word, and the next day you're working on your own. We know the deal with athletes or people who like going to the gym. If you don't go regularly, don't be shocked when you can't pick up the five-pound bar. Or you can't do but two push-ups. Don't be shocked. This fell on me today during prayer. And it says, never see yourself by yourself. See yourself by and through faith. Um, And it was a great reminder to me um, as something that the Lord had um, delivered or given to me again in our small group. And it was it was pretty amazing to me first before I even released it. Um, is, you know, and I, I think I've talked on this before, but um, we have to learn which mirror to look in when we're looking at ourselves. We have to know the difference. See, the, the materialistic mirrors that we're using, yeah, you can see surface imperfections or areas that need correction or addressing and so forth, but you can't see on the inside of you. And to be honest, a lot of times we don't really even know how to see ourselves on our own. We need to, we need the word of God to tell us who we are. We need the word of God to tell us how to be. Even down to our attitudes, we need the word of God to tell us. So we we need to make sure that we are using the proper mirror. The word tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That hit me deep. God says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. See, if you see yourself anything other than that, then that's a, a, that's a, a strike against God. Because he said, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I didn't say that. He said it. See, it takes faith to be able to to receive those things and understand and flow in those things. Because if not, without faith, man, 
you know, I don't care what the word says about you, you, you won't see yourself the way the word says you are. It takes faith to do that. You know, what's floating in the spiritual atmosphere, especially around in, in our area, is we have to change what we think so we change what we say. So when the attack comes against us, we don't say what we've always said. We're saying a new life thing. You know, because in the book of Deuteronomy tells us, you know, choose life or death. But you choose it. And, and what, you know, again, y'all better come to these prayer meetings, I'm telling you. Because we don't always operate consistently in our faith, we don't always understand that, you know, these things that come out of our mouth have so much power to them, how they change things. You don't understand that? You don't. Because if you just record yourself for a minute and take a moment to go back and replay what you said, then it'd be like, oh my, no wonder my foot hurt. No wonder I always had these headaches. I'm claiming this stuff. You know, it's like, um, when, this is my belief, when Corona got blew up to the point that it was, if the church would just stood up from the start and cast it down, it would be gone. And I'm not picking on churches, I'm just being real. The churches didn't have the right kind of faith. But glory be to God. Glory be to God. The truth is, the Lord is coming back for one church. And as a result of that, that means we're that important to him. That we have the authority going forward to constantly speak life to every situation, even Corona. Even Corona. I finished with this. This also fell on me. Man, Lord, I'm doing this today. Faith is not something we simply put on and off like clothes. It's a lifestyle. If you treat faith like your clothes, you'll find you'll always have to get new faith.
But if it becomes a lifestyle for you, then you'll always have it. You won't have to think about it. You, don't, you won't have to remember it. It becomes a lifestyle. To walk by faith and not by sight. Strong faith. Fighting faith. When Paul wrote this, Paul was in prison. When he wrote 2 Timothy, he was in prison. Paul had strong fighting faith. After everything he had been through, he was still pushing forward. He did not collapse. He did not give in. He stood. And not only that, Paul was in a position that a lot of people would have just folded or just disregarded everybody else. But he was busy doing the master's will, trying to build up the church. Knowing that he was near the end of his life, he knew the work had to continue on. So he was pouring into Timothy. So that where he left off, Timothy could pick up and keep going. He understood what was at stake. And so should we. Amen. 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 Amen.